168k actually thanks for that so um we just listened to michael cohen reacting to john Liz tack breaking trump's highest ranking aide has testified I'm Ben Mycellus from Lim. the Midas Touch Network. We've been waiting for this moment. Baby Here City. is an important breaking news this feeds. alert. Donald Trump's former chief of staff, Mark, Mark Meadows, Meadows, it is now being reported, has testified in front of at least one grand jury investigating Donald Trump's criminal conduct. And it does appear at least preliminarily, that Mark Meadows actually gave testimony and provided information instead of invoking his Fifth Amendment right against self-incrimination. This comes from a quote given by one of Mark Meadows' lawyers. Let me read for you the quote right here from a New York Times article that was just released. Asked about the grand jury testimony, a lawyer for Mr. Meadows, George Tilwilger said, quote, without commenting on whether or not Mr. Meadows has testified before the grand jury or in any other proceeding, Mr. Meadows has maintained a commitment to tell the truth where he has a legal obligation to. That sounds like Mark Meadows' lawyer is saying that Mark Meadows did in fact testify before the grand jury. Another data point which suggests that Mark Meadows did in fact testify instead of, say, invoking his Fifth Amendment rights against self-incrimination or trying to invoke some other privilege, is that reporters, and we here at the Midas Touch Network, have been following the docket as well, uh, in Washington, D.C., uh, of the docket of federal judge Jeb Boesberg, who is now the chief judge of the federal courthouse in Washington, D.C., who presides over the grand jury proceedings. And so if there was a filing on behalf of Mark Meadows, uh, we would not actually see the filing itself because that would be filed under seal, the actual content of the filing, but based on the timing of an under seal filing, based on the lawyers entering and exiting the federal courthouse in Washington, D.C., we would be able to at least understand if Mark Meadows' lawyers were entering or exiting or if a filing was made relating to Mark Meadows, and as far as we know, we have not seen that. So it does appear Mark Meadows not only went before the grand jury, but provided testimony. Now, we've been reporting here on the Midas Touch Network, and it's been reported elsewhere, that those in Donald Trump's inner circle, all the way up to Donald Trump, have been very critical regarding the lack of communication they have been receiving lately from Mark Meadows. Donald Trump's political action arm paid approximately $900,000 in legal fees already for Mark Meadows, which Donald Trump and those close to Donald Trump at Mar-a-Lago believe should have required 
Mark Meadows to provide them with information and updates about what has been taking place. It was reported in his New York Times article as well that Donald Trump had asked aides to even reach out to Mark Meadows just to see, just to check on how he's doing. Sounds like a mafia boss uh, making that request. But they had not heard back from Mark Meadows, so they were getting very concerned and very nervous. So my overall takeaway point here, again, is that as we learn this information, this is all the other information we've been reporting, the data points connect that we are looking for an imminent indictment that we think is going to be taking place. Now, of course, there are multiple grand juries that are impaneled now. We know about two that are impaneled, at least two, impaneled in Washington, D.C., one relating to Donald Trump's election interference um, and Donald Trump's other conduct related to uh, aiding and abetting the January 6th insurrection and his related conduct as well, such as uh, potential wire fraud. There is another grand jury in Washington, D.C., relating to Donald Trump's theft of thousands of government records, including classified records and sensitive compartmented information and just thousands of other government records and Donald Trump's obstruction of justice. That grand jury is a separate grand jury. Did you know that your temperature at night can have one of the greatest impacts on your sleep quality? If you wake up too hot or too cold, I highly recommend that you check out Miracle Maze Bed Sheets. Inspired by NASA, Miracle Made uses silver-infused fabrics and makes temperature-regulating bedding so you can sleep at that perfect temperature all night long. Now, using silver-infused fabrics originally inspired by NASA, Miracle Made in the Southern District of Florida, and this grand jury is also investigating crimes that may have taken place at Mar-a-Lago relating to the concealment of government records, classified records, sensitive compartmented information, and obstruction of justice. We believe the grand jury in the Southern District of Florida uh, is related to Jack Smith's criminal investigation oh. into Donald Trump's employees at Mar-a-Lago who... Uh, may have engaged in criminal conduct, that it's a maneuver to make sure that you have jurisdiction over those individuals. But as it relates to Mark Meadows, uh, the reporting... What the hell? What the hell? Going on, just, uh... Right now does not tell us which of the grand juries Mark Meadows has testified before. Was it the one related to the insurrection and election interference, or was it related to the theft of government records, or was it both? We do know that Mark Meadows has significant information regarding both, obviously. Relating to the January 6th criminal investigation, Mark Meadows was basically the middleman between Donald Trump and all of the other kind of MAGA terrorists and insurrectionists yeah. and other individuals who plotted to overthrow our democracy with Donald Trump. As it relates to Donald Trump's theft of government records, the reporting suggests that Mark Meadows knew about Donald Trump's requirements under the Presidential Records Act, which Donald Trump knowingly 
statute willfully failed to comply with, in addition to Donald Trump's violation of other crimes, such as the Espionage Act, concealment and mutilation of records, and obstruction of justice. And uh, this news about Mark Meadows comes at a time as well where we are learning about uh, the fact that there have been nearly uh, or close to about 20 uh, Secret Service agents associated with Donald Trump who have also testified before the Washington, D.C. grand jury, um, presumably about their communications with Donald Trump, Donald Trump, his whereabouts, his movement of classified records, as well as his conduct, of course, leading up to and during and after the January 6th uh, insurrection. So big news to report here on Mark Meadows. Again, we can only surmise based on the data points. Nothing really in the grand jury federal docket. Look at what Mark Meadows' lawyers said. We know that Mark Meadows actually testified. From those data points, we can surmise that Mark Meadows actually testified. Not just showed up, but didn't invoke privileges, or uh, at least with respect to a lot of things, he testified. Um, he may have invoked uh, limited privileges in certain areas. We also don't know from the reporting if Mark Meadows did this voluntarily. Um, or if there was any type of immunity deal, uh, such as a derivative use immunity that was given to compel his testimony. But as we gather more information, we will make sure to report it to you first here on the Midas Touch Network. But in my own view, Mark Meadows testifying to me leaves no doubt or removes mostly any doubt. And I pretty much had no doubt to begin with, but Special Counsel Jack Smith is moving towards an indictment and that with Mark Meadows having testified, that date becomes sooner and sooner um, than even perhaps initially anticipated. Stay tuned because a lot of information will be breaking. We'll be sure to bring it to you here on the Midas Touch Network. Hit subscribe on our YouTube channel. We're on our way to 1.5 million subscribers thanks to your awesome support. We really appreciate all the support of the Midas Mighty. Check us out at patreon.com slash Midas Touch. Uh, and wherever you get audio podcasts, subscribe to the Midas Touch podcast. And have a great day. Hey, Midas Mighty. Love this report? Continue the conversation by following us on Instagram, at Midas Touch, to keep up with the most important news of the day. What are you waiting for? Follow us now. Awesome. Great. <laughs> Said great job, guys. Thanks for your service. We spotted Jack Smith in DC. Um, one day ago, Trump accidentally destroys GOP's main talking point. 
during press conference. It's gone sick. And I don't like the term woke because I hear woke, woke, woke. You know, it's like this is term that use half the people can't even define it. They don't know what it is. Wait, what was that? I hear woke, woke, woke. You know, it's like this is term that use half the people can't even define it. They don't know what it is. <laughs> Hey everyone, and welcome back to What Was That? The show where I dive headfirst into the bizarre world of politics and leave you questioning your life choices. I'm your host, Gabe Sanchez, and today's face-palming-inducing moment is brought to you by none other than Trump no longer liking his favorite word, woke. For those of you who don't know, woke is a dog whistle for the Republican Party. If you're part of the LGBTQ plus community, BIPOC, or just anything else that supports diversity, it's woke. You know what woke means? It means you're a loser. Everything woke... Everything woke. It's true. Everything woke turns to shit. And now, the man who posts more no, than a hyperactive teenager on a caffeine binge is coming after the people who use woke. I mean, what's next? Is Trump going to tell us that he doesn't like the term bigly either? His whole vocabulary is beginning to fall apart. But who knows? Maybe he just woke up on the wrong side of the bed and decided that he was done with woke. Or maybe he's just trying to rewrite history again. You know, kind of like how he claimed that he had the largest inauguration crowd in history even though there was photographic evidence suggesting otherwise, it's like he's playing a never-ending game of alternative facts. So while Trump was on the campaign trail in Iowa, he told an audience his new thoughts about the word woke, the very same word that he himself has repeatedly used like a worn-out thesaurus. It's gone sick, and I don't like the term woke because I hear woke, 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 you know, it's like just a term that use half the people can't even define it, they don't know what it is. And now, it would seem that Trump has developed a case of linguistic amnesia. Or maybe he took one too many swings at the political pinata and knocked out a few memories, or maybe it's just selective forgetfulness, like when you conveniently forget to return those classified documents that you took after leaving the White House. But also, and I can't believe I'm saying this, but Trump is not wrong. The people who use it, especially Republicans, can't define it. I mean, you guys remember this embarrassing moment when the anti-woke author couldn't define woke? So, I mean, woke is sort of the idea that, um, I, this is going to be one of those moments that goes viral. I mean, woke is something that's very hard to define, and we've spent an entire chapter defining it. this with, have you read it, It is sort of the understanding that we need to totally reimagine and redo society in order to create hierarchies of oppression. What? Huh. Sorry, I... It's, it's hard to explain in a 15-second soundbite. Well, yeah, look, it, time. but I have to admit, it's pretty impressive how Trump can suddenly go from embracing a word take like it's a time. Trump supporter he's griffing to suddenly disowning it like it's his own child, Don Jr. Honestly, Trump is like a linguistic contortionist twisting and turning his words to fit his ever-changing narrative. I mean, seriously, just a few hours later during an interview with Sean Hannity, this is what Trump had to say about the word woke. We did a lot. You know, our military is great. A lot of things going on with our military, with the woke and all this nonsense. They're not, they're not learning to fight and protect us from some very bad people. They want to go woke. They want to go woke. That's all they talk about now. I see letters that are being sent. It's horrible. I mean, it's really <laughs> a serious problem. That would end immediately. But the real reason that Trump said he doesn't like the word woke is because he's coming after Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. You know, the android who built his whole platform around the word woke even said his state is where woke goes to die. We must fight the woke in our schools. We must fight the woke in our businesses. We must fight the woke in government agencies. We can never, ever surrender to woke ideology. And I'll tell you this, the state of Florida 
is where woke goes to die. Florida is where woke goes to die. Florida is where woke goes to die. Florida is the state where woke goes to die. Our state is where woke goes to die. I honestly think the Florida meatball might love saying woke more than he does eating chocolate pudding with three fingers. And these math books, they were doing woke math. Okay, these are woke books. Send them back. They took the woke out and send us back normal math books. Agenda that is basically a woke. Reject this woke ideology. Woke ideology. And that woke ideology by woke ideology. Woke ideology. If you woke ideology. We reject woke ideology. Um, I don't want woke ideology. Without having woke gender ideology, she would advance a woke ideology. This, I think, this woke ideology, to me, it's cultural Marxism. And they want their woke ideology fighting the woke ideology and woke indoctrination. Woke ideology. Oh, don't worry. He's just getting started. We will never surrender to the woke mob. We will never, ever surrender to the woke mob. The woke mob comes after us. Have our state governed by some woke company, woke agenda. And a lot of the wokeness that we're seeing to do whatever the woke left wants to do. But then it's kind of a woke idea that playing uh, to the woke choir. Not kowtowing to woke corporations. You can fight the woke elite. You can do your woke activism. Uh, we're at, yes, we're fighting the woke. So they are engaging in woke activism called the Stop Woke Act. Woke activism. It's called the Stop Woke Act. The Stop Woke, which passed during the regular session. Corporate America going woke. Uh, woke cities. Of we must wage a war on woke. As much as this wokeism has gotten into all these institutions, and it is a mile wide in our society, it's only an inch deep. I think it goes back to this woke mind virus. What I call the woke mind virus. I'm infected with this woke virus. Is anybody happy to see this woke mind virus infect all these institutions and try to impose that ideology on society and even on young kids? DeSantis has absolutely no personality, like none whatsoever. The guy literally copied everything about Trump. His air recording hands, his leaning forward. He even made an ad indoctrinating his own children into Trumpism. Everyone knows my husband Ron DeSantis is endorsed by President Trump, but he's also an amazing dad. Ron loves playing with the kids. Build the wall. He reads the stories. Then Mr. Trump said, you're fired. I love that part. He's teaching Madison to talk. Make America great again. People say Ron's all Trump, but he is so much more. Big league. So good. I just thought you should know. Ron DeSantis for governor. And DeSantis is so insecure about himself that he keeps changing his name. I'm Ron DeSantis. I'm Ron DeSantis. I'm Ron DeSantis. My husband, Ron DeSantis. I am Ron DeSantis. Hi, Ron DeSantis. I am Ron DeSantis at rondesantis.com. I'm Ron DeSantis. Even Trump is mocking him for it. Uh, just like you don't change your name in the middle of the uh, election change his name in the middle of the election. You don't do that. You do it before or after, but ideally you don't do it at all. I liked it before anyway. I liked his name better before. I don't like the name change. Should we tell him that? And when DeSantis was asked about it by a reporter, this is how he responded. Governor, how come you're not taking questions from voters? No, stop coming up to me and talking to me. What are you talking about? I'm not here working with people. Are you blind? Are you blind? Oops, my bad. That was actually a clip of Ron DeSantis snapping at a reporter. This is the actual clip of DeSantis responding. We've got a long last name. Uh, European name, Steinhauser. There's been some 
confusion over your last name and the pronunciation. I'm just wondering, to correct the record, what is it? Oh, it's ridiculous, these stupid things. Listen, the way to pronounce my last name, Winner. Really? That's the best you've got? Your last name is Winner? I don't know about you, but it's almost as cringeworthy as Ted Cruz saying, My pronoun is kiss my ass. Ron DeSantis' campaign is so lost that he's now standing on the wings of the stage and letting his wife Casey DeSantis give weird speeches. We did four stops in Iowa the day before. However, that talking really pales into comparison to the day previous to that when I had very long, in-depth conversations with our three-year-old, Mamie, as to why she cannot color True Story with a permanent marker on the dining room table. Or the walls, because I've come to the realization you can only move furniture in so many places before you run out of real estate, you know that you have to keep doing it. So we're very blessed to have the six, five, and three-year-old uh, that the governor mentioned a second ago, Mamie, our little one, who, by the way, runs the household. If anybody thinks it's the governor or myself, no, no, it's Mamie. It's the three-year-old who's in charge. Uh, but she's the first baby born to a sitting governor in more than 50 years. And they're all the light of our life. They keep us uh, very busy. They have a lot of energy, very humble. I oftentimes like it when after a long day, sometimes I like it, after a very long day of the governor being on the road, he'll sometimes, you know, it's about 8.30, 9 o'clock, we're going into our bedtime routine. And, you know, wherever he's been in the state of Florida or New Hampshire or Iowa or wherever, South Carolina, he'll bring home some kind of a sweet treat. So moms and grandmoms, you know how this goes. We're in the middle of our bedtime routine, and here comes Dad with a plate of cookies, which then means we need to start the process all over again, which is wonderful. Uh, you know, the, uh, the governor a second ago was talking... Hold on, did you all see that? What is wrong with Ron DeSantis that he keeps malfunctioning in public and wiping his nose in the weirdest ways possible? But regardless of how robotic Ron DeSantis is, he does occasionally make a valid point. So, you know, the former president says he can slay the deep state in six months. My question to him would be, well, you already had four years. Why didn't you slay it then? Clearly, I don't like either of these two fascists, but what I do enjoy is watching them tear the Republican Party apart. And based on what we've seen so far, you better make sure to grab your popcorn because this Republican primary season is about to be very entertaining. Well, until next episode, I'm Gabe Sanchez, and this has been What Was That? If you enjoyed today's episode and want to support the work that goes into creating the What Was That show, you can join my Patreon at whatwasthatshow.com. You'll get access to early episodes, exclusive bits, behind-the-scenes content, access to the show's private Discord, as well as live Q&A directly with me to offer comments, questions, and suggested topics to be featured on the show. Thanks again for watching, and I hope to see you over on Patreon. tension with
They want to make it a crime to be nice to each other. Tries to seize control. Tries to seize control. None of the uh, Republicans get a crime. <clears throat> Michael, I'm looking at uh, we're all caught up. Politics go. GOP playbook exposed. There's Stevia. What's wrong with Stevia? What kind of sweeteners did they put in here? Ingredients cultured coconut milk, water, coconut cream, pea protein, cane sugar. Food starch, tapioca, and corn. Suckers. Started sticking some. Okay, let's see. Majority 54. Mm. Lights on with Jessica Denson. Indictment days away. I like that headline. And it should have been last week. Three days ago, two weeks ago. Hmm. You know what? Let's see. Are you still there? Yes, well, hello, darlings. Shout out to KNP State Radio at the University of Everett Stone. 
to deliver of a new friend suggestion the real Jimmy James whoever that is okay um <coughs> play Jessica Denson indictments imminent this was streamed three days ago hmm Wasn't there something newer? I get knocked down, but I get up again. I'm Jessica Denson, and this is Lights On. You can try to trip him with a sandbag, but you're not going to stop Joe Biden. This week, he went from rescuing the debt ceiling crisis from GOP arsonists who threatened to tank the global economy to blowing away expectations with the latest jobs report, bringing his scorecard to 13 million jobs created so far, more than any former president in a full four-year term. That's our candidate for 2024. Be very proud. On the other side, the leading candidate is the greatest threat to national security this country has ever seen. And Lordy, there are tapes. This week, we learned that Jack Smith's converging on Trump with audio tapes from Bedminster. Now, this is being as the likely end of the Mar-a-Lago investigation, which is absolutely huge, but I also see it as the convergence of the two investigations. And I have the best person here to tell me if I'm right. And there's plenty of shame to go around in the GOP. From Florida to Uganda, they're spreading their hate around the world. With the start of Pride Month, this fascist movement is trying to play both sides, but they are not fooling anyone. They've opened the way for international bad actors to enact the most regressive and horrific laws. So we're definitely going to shine a light on that. What a treat. I'm joined now by Michael Popak, host right. of Legal AF, top civil litigator, trial lawyer. I am so thrilled to have you on with me today, Michael. Uh, uh, this, is, this is a dream come true for me. You and I started, I, I'm sure you remember, as like Twitter Twitter pals. I don't know if that's a thing, <laughs> but, I, but I'm making it a thing. And, and I, I tweeted at you about something that had developed well in your career and your life, and, and you tweeted back to me. And that's how we started. This is way before... You joined the Midas Touch Network and became a fellow podcaster with me. And then, you know, we've just stayed in touch and had a lot of conversations about things that matter to America. And you've been so supportive of Legal AF. You've had, of course, Ben, you're, you're one of your co-anchors. You've had Karen Friedman at Niflo. I was sort of jealous. And now I'm like, okay, now it's my turn. I get to go on lights on. So thank you very much for having me on. So happy, yeah. You, you, Michael, I mean, this is no secret to the luminaries and Legal AFers. Michael is the most gracious gracious kind human being and uh yeah aside from being an excellent lawyer and podcaster he's just an amazing person so i should get off now this is where i get off the podcast because <laughs> it, it only good night everybody it only goes down <laughs> yeah, that's a very kind and gracious thing for you to say but but um the one nice thing about my touch network is that it does attract it's like a reef 
that attracts all sorts of really like-minded, not, not identical, but really like-minded people and um, uh, human, just human, good human beings that also share an interest in democracy and in justice. Um, and in, in our global involvement, as you do in this particular show. So, again, the fact that you were onboarded as a podcast is such a natural for you and for us. And, um, you know, I, I'm a little bit, you know, might get out of my comfort zone on a couple of the topics today, but I'm going to do my best. Okay, we like to do that. We, okay. I, I have a knack for, for taking. No, it's okay. I, I will be gentle. I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> All right. Well, let's start. I'm so excited to start this topic with you of, of the Jack Smith investigation into Mar-a-Lago and what came out this week with that exclusive report from CNN that there are audio recordings of, of Donald Trump bragging about having a Pentagon, classified Pentagon document in his possession. This is in in 2021, 2021, um, the the backstory of this is so interesting to me, and I talked in the open about how I think this is really a convergence of the two investigations, because what's going on is um, Mark Meadows has these two people who are helping him write his autobiography visiting Trump at Bedminster. And Trump notoriously has these phone calls or conversations that he people saying he said something he didn't. So he has this aide, Margot Martin, record this conversation that he's having with the people helping Mark Meadows write his book. And while he's doing it, he's trying to rebuff reporting that had just come out in The Atlantic um, about Mark Milley being concerned that Donald Trump was going to launch an all-out attack on Iran um, to stay in power, to just create, fabricate this military crisis to stay in power. And of course, that goes to the other um, investigation of Donald Trump's attempts to overturn the election and do anything to keep himself as the dictator of America. So Donald Trump is upset with this reporting in the, Atlant in the Atlantic, and he um, brags about having this classified document. Um, and of course, all of the reporting is talking about how it's not just uh, evidence. We already have, of course, evidence that he had all these classified documents, but his knowledge uh, that there was a process that needed to be followed to declassify, because he says during this, allegedly during this um, conversation that, that Jack Smith now has a reporting of, that he knows there is a process and he doesn't know if he can share it because it is classified. Um, tell me, Michael Kosoff, what do you mean from this exclusive report and where you think it, it leads us with the investigation?
from a madman in what it, it, in, in how he saw the commander in chief or the outgoing commander in chief. <coughs> pardon me, Jessica. Donald Trump, right? This doesn't happen, and it happened for a reason. As we, we had to quote up earlier, as all the our producer put it up, Mark Milley saw him as Hitler in yep. the bunker, the Reichstag moment for Adolf Hitler. This is who he thought he was reporting to. And that so pissed off Donald Trump, mm -hmm. who never wants anyone else to be in the limelight, did not want Mark Milley, who he thought had taken a, um, had gotten into the front seat with the media in a way that, that, that Trump did not like. And so to try to pay him back during this meeting with the, with the people getting together for the Mark Meadows memoir, he, he pulled out a document that said uh, that, that um, Milley wanted to go to war with Iran. And he acknowledged that it was classified. He acknowledged that he did not declassify it before he left office, and then about whether he could show it or not. Now, that recording by Margot Martin, his aide, who recorded all of these conversations, apparently, who testified to the grand jury and turned over all of her recordings back in March, the lawyers for Donald Trump and his advisors have been very worried about that recording and that when it would be strategically leaked by Jack Smith, which is what we've been seeing. For those that are wondering, hey, in the beginning, we didn't hear anything about the investigation. And now every day there's a new piece of information that's in the press. Why is that? That's because the prosecutors are putting pressure on, on other witnesses like Walt Maud on the valet for Donald Trump and on Donald Trump and his lawyers themselves by putting out these key choice pieces of evidence into the media for you and I and others to report on. So, so you think it's the investigators themselves that are leaking this? Yeah. Oh, yeah, on purpose. This is a strategic, okay. you know, and Karen and I talked about it on our podcast. It's a strategic set of leaks on purpose in yeah. order to put pressure on, on various witnesses and, and on Donald Trump. Now, his advisors were very concerned about this audio, more concerned after the CNN town hall where Donald Trump knowing about this recording and knowing about showing this document to people when he said, um, I, I, uh, not really, I may not really have showed any, you know, he stumbled on that area and his advisors were slapping their forehead because they knew that was not true. And also at the heart of it, yes, it's the classified, not classified, but that doesn't matter, as we've said on the Legal AF, from Espionage Act, which does not require a classification issue. All it requires is the retention and the distribution and the showing of national security material. Whether that national security material bears a classified or top secret marking or not, it doesn't matter. And, and this is the, the convergence, the, the double convergence. We've got the obstruction charge, right, and him obstructing, obstructing justice by his failure to return this material. And then you've got the espionage charge, which is just the retention and use and dissemination and manipulation and destruction and mutilation. And then what they're trying to do, Jessica, is the prosecutors are trying to find the why. Why is Donald Trump holding on to these things? It's not just mementos. So is he trying to curry favor with foreign powers? That's the foreign powers subpoena set that's out there because he had a lot of foreign power stuff. Is he doing that because he's trying to use it in a transactional way in his in his private life? So they want to know that. Is he worried about something else? Is he, they, they're trying to get motive because they know he did it. 
They know he misled his lawyer, Evan Corcoran. They know he, he, he hid things in his desk drawer and moved boxes in and out of storage rooms into Bedminster, but they're still grappling with the why. Why did Donald Trump do this? And that's where you're seeing the pressure being put on witnesses, including Margot Martin, Walt Nauta, and others. I have a couple questions for you there. So the, the motive issue, I mean, the why would really be icing on the cake, wouldn't it? I mean, they don't really need to know his actual motives to prove mens rea, the, the knowledge of this willful retention of documents that he wasn't supposed to have, right? Well, well, you're yes. Yes and no. For, to get to willfulness, uh, you know, these are terms of art in the law, to get to willfulness and knowledge or what we call mens rea or, or a criminal mind, you generally need, it would be better if you had a motive, all right, uh, to show intent. He did it because. To say that he did it because, I just like, I'm a pack rat. See, this, this is where you end up. I'm a pack rat, and it was just mine. Everything's mine, mine, mine. I liked it. I kept it. And it's just mine. Okay, you can continue to make that argument on Willful because he kept it from the National Archive, then he kept it from the Department of Justice, then he kept it from the FBI. I mean, he did a lot of that, which goes to your point. And that's the yes. The no is it would be better if they could give the jury the rationale for it. And if the rationale is also a crime, currying favor with foreign powers, using it for his business, uh, his businesses and all that, then that that's, like you said, that, that's like a home run. That's, that's icing icing on the cake. But but one, one last thing before we move off that particular topic that I found very, very interesting. On the... Um, on the We're not going to move quickly. I have more questions for you. Oh, okay. Okay, good. <laughs> on the mark... Yeah, your question might actually uh, back into to this comment I'm going to make, but let me, let me see what I can do. On the um, on the Mark Milley stuff, the, the, the other reason that this is so bad for Donald Trump, it's so good for justice in America, the existence yeah. of this tape, is because it blows out several legs of his defense stool. It rips them out one by one. So the defense stool of, I can declassify anything I want, and I did all that before I left the, the White House, which would have to be on the 19th of January. Well, that's a lie, because he had a document after that that he said was classified that he hadn't declassified. So that's out the door. The, um, I don't... Um, I, there was a mistake. It was overpacking by my people, and I didn't know what I had. Well, that's a lie, because that can't be used any longer, because he whipped out this, he's obviously gone through his inventory and pulled out, you know, uh, 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 Margo or whoever, get, get, me a, get me a Coke and get me the Mark Milley document uh, that shows that he wanted to go to war with Iran. I mean, he knew his documents so well that he could find it in order to bring it out, right? It's not the only document he had. He had hundreds of documents. So he had them cataloged in a desk. So 13,000. That defense goes out the door. And the problem with all of that um, is that, and these are all national security items, is that these are defenses that his lawyers, Tim Parlatore, now departed because of these revelations. Uh -huh. Evan Corcoran, now gone. And now Jim Trustee has a problem. He's the last of the remaining lawyers that had any shred of credibility, had a past relationship with Jack Smith a friendship with Jack Smith when they both worked in the Department of Justice. And that's now in tatters because Boris now Epstein. he's just, Yeah, yeah, Boris Epstein. <laughs> Boris Epstein's busy blocking said Mr. searches by parliamentary. But but here, you know, uh, trustees um, wrote a whole letter to the House Subcommittee on Intelligence telling them that it was an accident. You know, if there's anything in there, it's just, uh, it was overpacking. 
And then <laughs> Trump's like, no, I have the right, and I can show them to people if I wanted to. So that's gone. And now trustees reduced Jessica to sending a letter, obviously dictated by Donald Trump, like a giant tweet in, on a stationery, a law firm stationery, huh. that said, Hunter Biden, laptop, Joe Biden, and can't we have a meeting? Huh. Writes a, I, I've been doing this for 32 years. Nobody writes a letter like that if you're doing white-collar criminal defense of somebody like Donald Trump. You use your relationships and your reservoir of goodwill, if you have any of it, which it sounds like you don't, to pick up the phone and call your counterpart at the Department of Justice and try to get a meeting. Those back channels are obviously dead to Donald Trump because of all of the attacking social media, attacking on prosecutors, judges, jurors, witnesses, former employees like the one I'm podcasting with, and the rest. Dead. You know what else I hope is dead? Judges' patience with Donald Trump's delay tactics once he gets indicted. I mean, I really hope that the, the entire judicial system sees this as a national security emergency and really puts puts a you know very quick stop to his attempts to gum up the works as this criminal proceeding you know carries carries out. But what the last thing I wanted to ask you, I always have this question about when I hear espionage charge, which is what you believe, right, will likely be included in, in the charging um, that comes out of the Mar-a-Lago investigation. Isn't, isn't the espionage, doesn't the espionage charge carry with it the prohibition from, from um, holding office or not? No, no. I mean, frankly, wow. none, of, none of these are going to be ultimately oh, a disqualifier in and of wow. themselves. Oh, but you'll off. have to go through the other amendments. Um, it's very, let's be frank, no it's very hard. Uh, the founding fathers never envisioned a Donald Trump. They put a lot of guardrails around democracy with the checks and balances for co equal branches of government. They never envisioned somebody, somebody exactly Actually, like they this. Did. So, as a result, Donald Trump indicted, convicted, and sitting in jail could still run for office and get elected. It is not an automatic disqualifier. So the good news for our audience and for justice is that he's going to get indicted again. New York got him once. I think New York is going to get him again beyond Stormy Daniels. That was sort of the appetizer. That was the taster. That was, let's try this. Let's see how it works. Oh, it worked. We can indict a former president. Great. Let's go to the bigger one now. So that's Alvin Bragg. Barney Willis is going to be indicting Donald Trump at the end of July. I don't think anybody who's a thinking person in my business thinks that that's not happening. That is happening. And it's probably going to be for racketeering and everything. That's her. Jack Smith, it could be my prediction based on what we've been hearing, as early as next week, you have hungry? a bar on Lago mm -hmm. indictment. Oh. So he's going to be a thrice indicted, twice impeached, mm -hmm. once a judge, sexual hungry, abuser, huh? by the time he runs for office. But he's not going to be convicted of anything. I, I'm not sure any of these trials are going to time out right. Maybe, maybe the one in front of Judge Rashad in New York on Stormy Daniels, because that's in the middle of the primary season. So by then, he could be a convicted, a convicted fraudster, a criminal fraudster. But it does not disqualify him under our Constitution from running from office. Insurrection and does. Yeah, it is. It's it's incredible how how uh, much we need to strengthen our constitutional guardrails against a character like this because um, it's it's being tested. He was tested so much during his presidency and we are we are so not done. 
Um, but this is this is their best guy. As I as I say every week, this is their best guy, the guy who they refuse to distance themselves from, and even the ones that have, like. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit later, maybe for a few minutes, about Chris Christie, who now seems to have some moral clarity. Well, I think Chris Christie had um, all of the experience in the world with Donald Trump prior to this moment and four years to, to help this country save itself from Donald Trump. And now's a little bit late, Chris Christie. But um, before we go into that, I have one more question for you, because I, I love having you here to, to, to dive into all of my, my Mar-a-Lago, Jack Smith questions. Do you think that Mark Meadows is cooperating with Justice? You know, I, I, I wake up some days, uh, depending upon the side of the bed that I wake up on, uh, about Meadows. I used to think he was cooperating. I used to think that that's the reason he's been laying so low. And that certainly there is enough data points that would prove that. But you could also make the argument, and I think I come out on this one, that the reason we haven't seen him really in front of the grand jury, or at all, is because he's really the target of one of the targets of the criminal investigation, both Fawny Willis's in Georgia and Jack Smith's for, for, you know, he's got at least three or four grand juries going on, all things Jan 6 and what happened on the day of Jan 6 and leading up to Jan 6. And Mark Meadows is right in the thick of that as well. He's right in the thick of the election interference and all the lawsuits and the fake elector scheme. He's there, that's that grand jury. He's Mar-a-Lago is probably the only one that he's not directly involved with, but he has his own burning documents in the fireplace problem. Um, I think today, the bed side that I woke up on, I think he's a target, um, and he's not cooperating as of yet. All right. Well, I think it's, I mean, it's, it's so, he is like, he would be, if he was cooperating, he would be an extremely, extremely valuable witness. Um, I always, I tend to think that he might be. I also think back to the decision, the DOJ's decision not to follow through with that contempt charge uh, or the contempt recommendation from Congress. Um, but with all of... Yeah, <laughs> yeah. What, what, well, one other thing on that. I, that one, I think their hands were tied. They had enough DOJ memos dating back to the Obama era that really suggests that they couldn't bring that contempt charge against that particular type of individual in the White House. But but I'm not ruling out the possibility that after he's indicted, because he's not playing in the sandbox now, I'm sure they reached out to try to get him to cooperate, but they're not getting what they want out of him. And so indicting him and then getting his cooperation, that that's, I think he ultimately does cooperate because I don't think he's willing, like Bannon, to go to jail for a few years to, yeah. to serve his president. But I don't think we're there yet. But that's my professional opinion based on everything that I've observed. Wow. So do you agree with all of the pontificators out there that we could be days away from an indictment, first indictments out of Jack Smith's investigation? Yes. Yeah, I think so. If it's not next week, and we were off on, um, we're pretty good. You know, we had yeah, uh, accurate accuracy, close. but not great precision. Uh, on uh, Alvin Bragg. We were off by like 10 days. It may not be next week, but it's going to be in the month of June. Because I think, frankly, and this isn't competition, but I think Jack Smith wants to get his indictment off the ground before Fawny Willis's July, July, early August indictment. Not because they're competitive, just because it's a lot easier for the feds if they're like the first one on these issues. Stormy Daniels is a different, a different issue. He's not going after that one. But on election interference, Mar-a-Lago, documents, and this is 
you know, this is his lane. This is Jack Smith alone. Bonnie Wells is not, state prosecutors are not involved with the retention of national security material and, um, and the Espionage Act and obstruction of justice. So that's his wheelhouse. I think we see it in, in mid, no later than mid-June. But, you know, well, I'll come back on the show if I'm wrong. <laughs> Summer of love. Love and law for Donald Trump. We love it. <laughs> All right, we're going to take a quick break for our sponsor, and we'll be right back with Michael Popak. This episode is sponsored by Lomi. What's better than growing fresh vegetables right in your own backyard with nutrients that came right out of your kitchen? Well, it's all possible thanks to Lomi. Now that I have a Lomi, it's changed the way I think about my food waste. Lomi transforms my garbage into gold at the push of a button. Lomi is a countertop electric composter that turns food scraps to dirt in under four hours. Now I love composting. Plus, it's make, made cooking at home even more fun. There's no food rotting in the garbage. years old, okay? And we can... Oh, negotiating this. It's... Have more compassion and empathy. Plastic side is one of the finest presidents we've ever had. I'd say that without any irony or holdback. If you just line up, I'm in the Ron Klain camp, his former chief of staff. If you just line up all his accomplishments just in two years, I'll put it like you said, I'll put him up against anybody else's four years. The things that he's been able to accomplish far surpassed even the Obama Biden administration in terms of domestic policy, from from investment in infrastructure, education, chip manufacturing. Um, natural gas and oil and pipelines. Um, you know, the, the list just How goes on and on. Pollution? I, anybody that's driving Willow around Project. Republican, Democrat, Independent, or otherwise, and see construction crews, municipal construction crews on your highways, local roads, schools, that is that is Biden money. Okay, that came from the Biden administration, the shovel ready project from between the combination of the stimulus package and all these other infrastructure investments. Um, your local bridge that they worked on, that's Biden. Your local tunnel is, you have a new bridge. That's Joe Biden. Where do you think these things are coming from? And, and along with that is jobs. So that's on the domestic front, okay? And everything saves and salvage in the budget deal, the debt ceiling deal that we'll talk about in a minute. On the, on the foreign policy side, who is masterfully navigating the the Ukrainian war with Russia or the Russian war with Ukraine in a way where yes there's lots of dollars being spent there okay but there has to be because if you didn't we're going to have to continue our theme today another Hitler running through uh, the Balkans and taking and trying to reassemble the Soviet Union that's how important it is so we don't have American troops on the ground, other than advisors and other things. We do have material, we do have equipment, we do have systems. We have made for United in a way that it's never been post-World post War II. Expanded uh, and fortified, the total opposite of absolutely. what Putin was trying to accomplish. Right, it's expanded, fortified, Norway, Sweden. I mean, all these countries that have always been on the sidelines for hundreds of years have decided, like, yeah, we don't want that to happen. Yeah, this is we we better get in there, too. So Joe Biden, and all they've got is, you know, he somebody put a sandbag on the stage and tripped over it. You know, 
That's more compassionate to speak for the guy. He's 80 years old. He is, he is, it's him that's negotiating the debt ceiling with McCarthy. It wasn't, you know, somebody else in McCarthy. You know, Ted Cruz said he's gone, he's out of it, he's not there, he's not with it. So, uh, who, is it who is it, Kamala Harris? I mean, I like Kamala, but she's not negotiating this. It's Joe Biden's 50 years of experience that, and, and, to, and to keep his party together the progressive wings and all the other wings together to get this deal done. So if you just listed his accomplishments and you took away all of the mean-spirited attacks on him and what they consider to be his frailty, which he's not, he's actually a very, very good help, but he's 80 years old, okay? And we can acknowledge that. I see that. I think you once said it on your podcast. That's experience. Exactly, yeah. Okay, I'm okay with age. I'm not okay with, with whatever age DeSantis is supposed to be. And, and, and his immature, juvenile um, approach to government in a state that I lived in for 20 years. I'm not okay with that. It's not about age. It wasn't about, I didn't vote for Clinton because he was 42. Or forty-five, whatever he was, and Bush was whatever. That that didn't enter the equation. But that's all they got with Joe Biden. You know, just the way people made fun of you know uh, Gerald Ford when he tripped going I'm up Air Force not. One, and 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 that became his legacy. And, and that's all Donald Trump got. We, why don't we talk about all the photos of Donald Trump without his hair and makeup? Why don't we talk about him when he's windblown on his golf course yeah. and you see and he looks he's more like Grandma Grandma Trump than Donald Trump. The images, okay. the images, Michael, that we want to get out of our heads forever, that we just want to pretend like we never saw. You know which, you know which ah! pictures we're talking about. <laughs> right. right. And so, I don't, right. if that's what people are choosing their president on, or Karen Freeman and Diplo told me she saw when she was traveling in the, uh, in the South, she saw a, a hat, embroidered hat that said, I miss the mean tweets and the cheap gas. Okay, I don't. First of all, our gas is returning to normal. That has more to do with the war that's going on, which also creates jobs because of the money that's going through uh, infrastructure and armament and military, our military industrial complex is humming along, which is a lot of, you know, full employment acts for those areas of the and the cities and towns that depend on Boeing and, you know, all the other defense manufacturers. We, it's the dirty little secret of war, but it does keep our economy humming. It always has. And so he's managing that well. He's got a Treasury Secretary and a Fed Reserve Chairman that work well together. You know, listen, do we need another few jobs or do we need lower inflation? That's that equation. That's the ca calibration that they're working on as part of the, uh, the, the, the finance team for for, uh, for Joe Biden, but if you just listed his accomplishments the way historians will do 5, 10, and 20 years from now, Biden will go down as a great president, bar none. Yes, a few of the funny things. <laughs> well, well, one thing I was happy about in the debt deal is, you know, they, of course, wanted to, to claw back all of these additional resources for the IRS. I personally experienced how efficient the IRS was this year. I mean, literally, they picked up my phone call immediately. Two years ago, I was on hold with the IRS, I think, for something like four hours before. Yeah, and he, did, and he did a great job in this current, you know, we talk about the debt ceiling, so let me clear up something quickly, because there's no ceiling. Okay, debt ceiling sounds like in order to solve a debt ceiling problem, you've got to be under the ceiling, right? You've got to be less.